is Christian Questions. Good morning and welcome to Christian Questions. This is Jonathan waiting for Rick to be connected uh, with us. Um, He's off location, but uh, we are glad that you're joining us. This is not your typical Christian commentary. We like talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many other shows do today. Jonathan, can you hear me? Yes, and this is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. (laughs) Hey, Guy, how are you? Good. How are you, Rick? <laughs> Doing well. Got you nervous there, didn't we? <laughs> you did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, folks, welcome to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. Uh, uh, we have a perspective based on, as you said, godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, and a politically free zone. And, Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. And you can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we are glad you are spending some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what is the subject this morning? Oh, Rick, this is a good one. All right, it's Armageddon, when and where. And our our theme text is found in Revelation 16, verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Okay, Armageddon, Jonathan. Armageddon. The very word sends shivers down the spine of millions. Armageddon. Of all of the biblical prophecies, this one is probably more recognized than any other, even by those who are not believers in the Bible. Armageddon captures the imagination. It has been the framework for blockbuster movies, Descriptions of war and destruction. Yeah, Armageddon. So what is it? Where is it? When is it? How does it really work? Is it really as dire as we think? Is it worse? What happens after? Folks, stay with us this morning as we take a look at Armageddon how it works, what the scriptures really say about it, and you might be very, very surprised. And Jonathan, this morning we have with us a very special guest to help us walk through this. We have David Stein here with me here. Actually, I'm sitting in a dining room. In, uh, what town am I in? Roselle, in Roselle, Illinois. So, um, good morning. Good morning. Um, David, who are you? Where are you from? Well, I live in uh, Pennsylvania. I'm an elder in the Allentown, Pennsylvania Bible class. And uh, I've had the privilege of uh, being on this program several times with you and always enjoy the Bible study that comes out of it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you've been on with us several times before. And uh, it's just a matter of putting things in perspective in terms of Armageddon. So, Jonathan, let's get started with this. Let's read the first script. First of all, there's there's one scripture in the Bible that mentions Armageddon. Yeah, only one. One single occurrence of it. All right, Jonathan, let's reread that. Okay, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. That's it. That's it. Okay, we're done. (laughs) I mean, think about it. That's the only place in the Bible that Armageddon is mentioned. Yes. Okay, so we have that one scripture, and so what does it mean? Say because 
you say the word Armageddon, and everybody gets all shaky and shivery, and you feel like that's the black hole that's going to consume the world. <laughs> so what does it mean? What does Armageddon actually really mean? Well, it's interesting. In Revelation, it mentions it's from the Hebrew language. And uh, many modern translations, in fact, will translate that as Harmageddon with an H in front of the A. And in the Hebrew, the, 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 that word Har means hill or mount. And Megiddo means a valley of Megiddo. And in fact, Professor Strong says it's a place of crowds or spot of rendezvous, which is very interesting to call a mountain a place of crowds. But putting it together... Uh, well, you said a mountain and a valley. Yeah, mountain and valley. Okay. That's right, together. Right. The, the geography there, of course, is what brings all of this together scripturally. Uh, it also it, it means destruction as well, and there's several Hebrew words that come back. So putting it all together, you've got a mountain or hill of destruction, a place of gathering where something is going to happen. Okay, so you've got a, a place of gathering where something is going to happen, and, and that's the key, folks. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard about Armageddon. I'm sure most of you have thoughts on what Armageddon is and what it's going to look like. And for most of us, David, like I said before, it's a pretty ugly scenario. It's, it's, it's death and destruction at a level that is pretty much incomprehensible. I mean, you know, humankind has a great imagination. When you look at the, at the special effects and, in the, in, in, you know, things blowing up in war movies and, and earthquakes that are, you know, shredding the earth to pieces and, and all of this, when you think of Armageddon, oftentimes our thoughts go to all of that and then more. So is that really what happens with Armageddon, folks? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you have a thought, if you'd like to uh, ask some questions, uh, or give your thoughts on what you think Armageddon is all about. Our number is 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And, Jonathan, we do want to welcome in our newest audience in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Florida, News Talk 1470. WMGG, we are glad you are joining us. I think we got started there last week, so uh, we'd love to hear some from some of our Tampa folks this morning uh, as well. So let's get back to this, David. You talked about where where Armageddon is, or you talked about kind of what it looks like, like like a mountain in a valley. Yeah, the geography here is very interesting because in the ancient world, when folks would travel between Asia and Africa or Europe and in the southern part of, of, uh, of the Near East, this was a path that they went through. I mean, mighty armies came through this. And where the mountains were located and where the valley was located, it just channeled them in th- into it. So consequently, it became a place where great battles were fought. And we think that that's one of the reasons why the Lord chose Armageddon to be this uh, symbolic place. Geographically, it's far north of Jerusalem, not too far from the Sea of Galilee, where a lot of Jesus' experiences uh, took place. Okay, so now, before you go any further, uh, you and I are looking at a map. Yes, we are. (laughs) Now, folks in radio land aren't looking at a map. Now, if you want to get the map, here's what you do. CQ Rewind, right, Rick? (laughs) That's right. That's what you do. If you go to CQ Rewind, the full edition, it's available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.net. Go to our website, sign up for the full edition. You'll get a once-a-week email with a PDF file attachment that will have a synopsis of the previous week's radio program on there. And it, first of all, it's, it's no charge. It is a free service. And especially this week, you want to you wanna subscribe for this because we've got maps and illustrations and all these kinds of things. And it gives you a real sense of 
what we're talking about. Plus, talk- plus, Rick, a lot of bonus material we have no time to deal with. Yeah, we actually have no time to deal with this whole subject because it's so big. But um, you're right. So, Teacher Rewind, the full edition, exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.net. Sign up for it. It is a free service. If you don't like it for whatever reason, you can you can opt out with the click of a button and be done. So, give it a try, ChristianQuestions.net. So, David, back to the map that we're looking at. Um, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did, like you said, a lot of his work, uh, that's where the, the walking on water took place. And, and you know, the, the, the apostles did a lot of it, came from that whole area, is, is northeast of Megiddo, which is Armageddon. That's right. It's to, Armageddon or Megiddo would be south uh, east, or southwest of the Sea of Galilee, and actually not all that far south and a little west from the city of Nazareth. Okay. All right. Good. So what you're saying is geographically, this is a place where people would naturally go through because there's mountains around and it's sort of a natural highway. Yeah, exactly right. To the far east, you have deserts and and, and places that do not lend themselves to travel. So all the ancient trade routes came through there. In fact, on a general scale, it's one of the reasons why Israel in ancient times was so strategically placed uh, on the western or eastern edge of Mediterranean. The trade routes and the military maneuvers of all of the ancient peoples came through that land and the Valley of Megiddo in, in, uh, particularly. Okay, so that's a little bit about its location. And again, the scripture only uses the word Armageddon once. It's in Revelation, but the Valley of Megiddo is actually talked about quite frequently. Yes. Okay, so and and oftentimes we, we, we we're, we're talking about it as, as a place where commerce goes through but it was a great place it was a great place to have a war wasn't it it was <laughs> I mean, the, the bowl-shaped valley and it's it's oval shaped and elongated it was just a place where generals could could see from a high point what was going on and direct their their armies and as you say because it was a trade route because armies came through there many many battles were fought there Okay, so we're getting a picture, a, a verbal picture of what Armageddon would have looked like and would have been a great place to get your armies together for, for war. And actually, in the second segment, we're going to go through a lot of circumstances of war in the scriptures. But David, just a little bit on, on the history of, of war and this specific place. Before we get to that, though, I'm jumping around here, but what is that place called now? It's not called Megiddo now, is it? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Isn't it called the Valley of Jezreel? Well, Jezreel is a city that's a little bit south, but it's associated. It's in the same general ge- uh, geographical area. Okay, okay. So a little bit of the history in terms of, of war. You have some, some statistics here that are kind of almost alarming. Well, you know, in researching this, in preparation for the program, I came across a discourse by Professor Paul Malley, and he said something that when I first when I first heard it, I said, can, can this really be true? Yeah, actually, when I first read it, I thought, what? Yeah, yeah, and, and what he said is that if you had to pick a single geographical place on Earth where more people have died, have been slain and died, where would it be? And he suggests that it's Megiddo. And when you think about the history of it, here's, for example, some of the, the, the countries and ancient nations that fought there. The Assyrians, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Israelites, the Persians, the Philistines, and the Romans. They all had battles on it. Now, just think about it for a moment. We talk about Gettysburg as one of the, 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 the most terrible battles that ever took place on our soil. Right. There was an excess of 50,000 men that died during that. Well, that's one battle on one geographical place. Right. Multiply that one battle by all the battles that were fought there, and you start to say, 
well, gosh, th- that may be right. This may be the single place on earth where more people indeed have died. So when you look at that and you think about that from a, from a, a standpoint of, of the bigness of the prophecy about Armageddon, you get a sense that it had already a reputation for being a place of great, great destruction. Yes. All right, see, and and I think, folks, as we look at Armageddon and we look at how it all fits together in all of the pieces, that's one of the things that's important. When when God chooses to to name a location, and he doesn't do that all too often, I don't think, in prophecy. He, He does it for specific reasons. So one of the reasons we have Armageddon mentioned in Revelation is that it is a... Uh, a a logical place to stage a great battle with great destruction. Now, one of the big questions is, is that battle a literal battle? Is it really literal destruction? Does the world literally cave in on itself because of the Battle of Armageddon? All of that is coming up. Um, As a matter of fact, as I mentioned in in the next segment, we're going to be talking about some of the battles that occurred scripturally, okay, outside of other sources of history, just scripturally at Armageddon. One more thought before we go to break. One of the things that's very notable about the battles that were fought there is that they were all complete victories or complete defeats for who's ever on. No, no ties, No, not sure who won. There was one victor and one utterly defeated. Okay. And again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So, folks, as we wrap this up, we're looking at where Armageddon is, the places, the things that it, 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 it's represented in ancient history, and we're going to be looking at some actual battles when we come back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, and our subject, Armageddon, when and where. Why were some of the, where were some of the greatest battles fought, and what are the dramatic deaths at Megiddo? That's next. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Armageddon, when and where. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, we are here, as you said, with our special guest, David Stein, and we're talking about Armageddon. We're going to look at a little bit of a history of Armageddon, because if you want to get the sense of what happens in Armageddon, it's important to go back to what already did happen in Armageddon scripturally. But actually, before we do that, Jonathan, let's go to um, soundbite uh, number five. This is from the History Channel. Um, It's actually about Nostradamus. And we're not going to be talking about Nostradamus, but it's talking about sort of the end of the world. And that's the part that we want to touch on, because this is the way we frame Armageddon uh, in today's world. Let's go to that soundbite. Our planet is faced with crises of alarming complexity. Oil shortages, vanishing species, deadly tsunamis, economic chaos, and nuclear threats. Is this coincidence, or is something more ominous unfolding? We are reaching a confluence of tipping points in fundamental systems. There's tipping points in the energy system, there's tipping points in the climate systems of the planet, 
There's tipping points in terms of the financial system, food production, water issues. We're at the moment when all of these things converge. It's an interesting uh, soundbite, David, because he's talking about all of these things happening and all of these things converging, and it looks like the end of the world as we know it. I mean, that's what it looks like. And the question is, is that what Armageddon is all about? Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And, Jonathan, before we continue, uh, we're going to be looking at some biblical history, but we have another special guest here at the dining room table with us here in Roselle, Illinois. Uh, you know, we keep talking about going to CQ Rewind and sign up for CQ Rewind, and it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> we have with us here this morning at the at the dining room table at Tom and Cheryl's house, we have Julie, the chief rewinder. Julie, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Are you nervous? A little bit. <laughs> so um, just very, very quickly, because... Seeker Rewind has become such a big part of the Christian Questions. What? How did you, where, where did this idea come from? Well, I started off with Christian Questions as an avid listener, and I love the program so much, and I especially love the fact that you take a scripture, you hold a mirror up to it, you take a knife and fork and you dissect it, you look at it, you put it in context, both historically and along the entire stream of time, and it really shows layers. Layers upon layers of blessings. Like an onion. Absolutely. And I, and I love that. And so I, it was hard to find, though, a chunk of two hours that early in the morning uh, to listen to it. So I would put it in my iPod, and throughout the week, 15 minutes here while I'm cleaning the house or 15 minutes there while I'm waiting at the doctor's office. But when I'm in a Bible study, I really like to be able to write notes and look up the scriptures. And it was difficult to do that just on radio. So, so you and I sort of met at the Bible conference a couple, two and a half years ago, Yep. and uh, we were talking about it, and you said, have you ever thought about putting it in And I said, who's going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, and you said, okay, I'll try. And, and so we actually experimented for three months with it mm-hmm. before we released it, but now it's, as, as they say, history. So, uh, so folks, that's and, and Julie, you have a, a group of folks that work with you and help you. There's a we're all part of the volunteer army, and uh, we have a team of proofreaders that go out after the rewind is completed, and we try to have it back and out to our listeners within one week of the program. All right, and maybe we'll come back to you a little bit later for some more personal stuff. But uh, folks, that's Julie, our chief rewinder. Uh, she lives in the Chicago area. Uh, this is the first time we've been here where she could actually be at a live broadcast. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us, Julie. And again, Seeker Rewind is available to you free of charge at ChristianQuestions.net. All right, Jonathan, let's focus in now. Let's get back to Armageddon. It's either Seeker Rewind or Armageddon. So let's go. Armageddon. We're going to look at some of the historical battles that took place at this very place. The first one, David, is where are we going? We're going to Gideon's victory at that very place from Judges chapter 7. Okay, and this is, just give a quick context before we read a couple of verses. Well, Gideon was one of the early judges, and the situation in Israel at that time is they were in bondage to Midian, and the bondage was pretty severe. The Midianites were coming and taking away their harvest and whatnot, and people were hiding what they could in caves to, to uh, restore and keep a little bit of it. So it was a dire situation, and Gideon rises to the top now as the general of, of the army of Israel. All right, so he's coming to this battle with just 300 men. 
Yeah, yeah. It didn't start out with that, but that's a whole other story. Right, so right. Kind of, kind of powers it down, and he's got just 300 individuals. All right, Jonathan, let's just read a part of that section of Judges 7, 19 to 23. Now, again, you'll get the whole scripture and seek your rewind, but you're only going to hear part of it here. And they stood, every man in his place, round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a sense of that. So what you're saying here is, is you had mentioned in the previous segment, Armageddon was a place where battles were either completely won or completely lost. And this is a beautiful example of that. With only 300 men, he ousted the whole army of the Midianites that were there. It was a very clever ploy the way he did it. But the point being is that God was with him, and they routed everyone. Okay, so that is a complete victory. Put it in the books. Let's go to the next one, and we're going to just fly through these because we've got to get to the symbolic meaning of all this. Uh, The next battle at this exact same place, the Valley of Megiddo, is what? This is the battle of Saul and his death and defeat uh, at the hands of the Philistines. Normally we think Israel's winning the, the, the battles, but here's a case where they lost, and lost rather decisively. So Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel, his, his career as king did not end well. Not at all. Okay. And this is found in 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 through 6. All right, Jonathan, let's just pick up on the first three verses of that. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchai Sua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. And of course he meets his end there. So this was, as you mentioned, a thorough and complete defeat of King Saul. Right, and remembering that we're putting this in the context, and we'll clarify that as we go on, of a victory for God. And these are all individual uh, victories that occurred in the past. But how is this a victory of God when Saul, the king of Israel, loses to their enemies? That's what I was going to ask you. Well, the way to look at this is those that have studied the life of King Saul knew that he started out good, but he went bad. He was not a good king, and he had to be removed. And this loss, this victory, opened the door for the kingship of David. And David was very blessed of the Lord. And when we think antitypically, and what we mean is the picture here of, of other greater things, right. is David pictured Jesus. So this, victor, this loss by Saul opening the, the realm of King David is a picture of the loss of the world and the, and the world's sovereignty and the Satan's sovereignty opening it for the kingship of Jesus, who we and, call the greater David. And that kind of sounds like what Armageddon is really all about. It is. That's okay. the whole point. All right, so let, let's hang on to that thought. Let's go on to the next one. I'm, I don't mean to rush you, but I do mean to rush you. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> folks, listen, if you have a thought, if you have a question uh, on Armageddon, what, when, where, why, and how, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. And you can only go to ChristianQuestions.net to do that. Okay, uh, let's go to the next uh, battle, David. And again, we want to touch on this very quickly. Uh, King Josiah is slain by Pharaoh Necho. Necho? Pharaoh Necho. Is Necho, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and this is found in Second Chronicles 35, 22-25. Jonathan, let's just get the first verse there. Nevertheless, Josiah, who would not turn his face from him, 
but disgusted himself that he might fight with him, and hearkened not unto the words of Nico from the mount of God, and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. So Josiah, wasn't he a good king? He was a good king, but this is just another example of disastrous defeat, of thorough defeat. Uh, on the part of Israel. Yeah, the so Israel. so the interesting thing about the battle, of, about Armageddon, is Israel is not always coming out smelling like roses here. No, no not, right. not always. And, and I think that, that becomes significant, because when the battle of Armageddon actually does come, it is a, like we're saying, a complete victory and a complete defeat. The question is, of who and what's left after? Right. Those, those are important questions. And remember we mentioned earlier about how much blood was shed? These are just a few biblical examples. There's extra biblical examples of, of battles as, as well. And you start counting up the, the corpses on that field, you get to some pretty pretty large numbers. numbers. Yeah, and that, that's kind of kind of gross when you think about it. But uh, <laughs> hey, but that's but that's why God chose this place as the place for this battle of Armageddon. We're not going to read the next one in the interest of time. But this is Jezebel slain in the city of Jezreel in, in the same valley. Queen Jezebel was about as wicked as they get, and she met with a very, very horrific end uh, in this. So this is from 2 Kings 9. Just sum it up a little bit. Well, Jezebel, remember, married Ahab, and Jezebel was not an Israelite. She, she was uh, a worshiper of Baal. And so you have this coming together of King Ahab, the civil power of Israel, and Jezebel, a religious power. And we're going to see All that. Right, no, 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 hang on. Because, see, now, that, that's kind of interesting, because... Today, there's a continual debate about where religion fits in government, or does it fit, or should they never even touch each other? You know, it's like two little kids, oh, he touched my stuff! You know, <laughs> um, and, and so what you're saying is that you have Jezebel and Ahab. Ahab is the civil power, the actual government, right. and Jezebel representing corrupt religious power. Yes, false religion. False, false religion. So they come together, and that coming together meets with a great defeat. Yeah, it was, it was not a good situation for Israel. Ahab himself is killed in another battle, but Jezebel, as you said, the horrific end, uh, she survives, but then Jehu, one of God's servants, comes to where she lives, and she's trying to, to uh, talk her way out of that, and he has her pushed off the edge of the porch. And she, she falls, and she dies, and what's very interesting is that she's eaten by the dogs. Yeah, interesting. Good. Talk about gross. Thanks for that. <laughs> and there are the details of that in that scripture, actually, which we're not going into at this point. So, so we're looking at these, and again, we're showing either complete victory or complete defeat. That's what Armageddon is. So let's now really focus on what is the meaning of Armageddon prophetically. Okay, I guess the first question, David, is, is do you think that there is going to be a literal physical, real-life battle at this place called Armageddon? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think the idea here is that... Wait, wait, you don't? I don't. No, no. All right, so th that, that's very contrary to what, what we see in the movies, what we hear on the television, and all of that thing, because everybody talks about this, this actual physical gathering of armies. Yeah, it's a very literal reading of, of Revelation, and, and many commentators tend to do that. I don't agree. I think Revelation is a book of symbols. And as we've already discussed, this particular symbol was used simply because it represents a battle that's going to take place basically throughout the world. Okay, so it's bigger than just this one place. You're taking a, a, a battle that takes place throughout the world. Now, what kind of battle? I mean, are, first of all, 
what is this battle? What's the objective of this battle? That it, it's mentioned in Revelation and it gets so much press, if you will. It's going to be the triumph of righteousness and justice over unrighteousness and injustice in the world. It's going to be the battle, the symbolic battle, in which all of the things which are opposed to God and to his kingdom are going to fall. So it's kind of like this, this massive worldwide house cleaning? Yes, yes. Now, having said that there's that I don't believe a literal interpretation of, of, of what goes on in Megiddo, that doesn't mean that I don't think there is going to be a literal gathering of armies in the Israel area. But, for example, in Zechariah chapter 14, God says, I'm going to gather all nations. He doesn't say to Megiddo. He says to Jerusalem. So is it going to be here, or is it going to be there? Well, the whole battle of Armageddon throughout the whole world is going to produce the setting up of God's kingdom. And there will be some military action in Israel, but not necessarily literally and only in the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Megiddo. All right, so so then it's kind of interesting. We've taken some time to, to actually go over some real-life battles that happened there, and they were, they were sort of world changers for, for Israel yeah. at that point. You know, we have a, a, a saying of a battle... That, that we use in English, Waterloo. If I say, yeah, yeah. If I say, Rick, what, is this going to be your Waterloo? What do yeah. you think? Yeah, is this going to be the, the deciding factor? Exactly. For right. And th- I think that's exactly what Armageddon should be seen as, as used by God, the Waterloo of the Bible. And, and that is what it has always been seen as in its time. Yeah. Okay, from a, from a scriptural standpoint. So as we, um, as we begin to wrap this segment up, folks, we're looking at Armageddon as not a real physical battle there, but a much bigger picture. But the question is, what else is involved? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein. Our subject, Armageddon, when and where. What about other biblical phrases describing Armageddon? How many are there? You'd be surprised. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, and we're talking about this special subject, Armageddon, when and where. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. All right, so David, uh, we're here with David Stein. I'm sitting here at a dining room table at Tom and Cheryl's house in Roselle, Illinois. Uh, and uh, we've got a cross folks here with us early in the morning because it's an hour earlier uh, out here. Um, David, there, there's a lot of other scriptural references to, to the time of Armageddon. And, Jonathan, here, here's what we want to do. Let's just rattle through what they're called and where they're found. We're not going to take time on the scriptures, just to put them on the table. And, and then, David, let's get into the practical aspects of what does Armageddon mean to you and me and the average listener. Jonathan, how else is Armageddon phrased in the, in the Bible? Great Tribulation. In Matthew 24. A Time of Trouble. And that's from Daniel 12.1. A Day of Vengeance. From Isaiah 63 and Isaiah 34. Day cometh that shall burn as an oven. That's found in Malachi 4. The day of the Lord Jehovah. Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And Amos 5.20. Right, I knew that. <laughs> and the <laughs> earth shall tremble. Jeremiah 10.10. A controversy with the nations. And that's Jeremiah 25. God's strange work. Huh, 
that's interesting. That's Isaiah 28. And again, we're not reading those scriptures. You can find those on Seeker Rewind, the full edition. Go to ChristianQuestions.net, sign up for the full edition, and you'll get it all put out right in front of you. So, David, let's get practical. Armageddon, should we be afraid? Well, if it's going to be a battle where righteousness is going to triumph, if you're seeking righteousness, no, you don't have to be afraid. Does that mean you're not going to get hurt? <laughs> not necessarily. So then, should you be afraid if you might get hurt? I think that what every individual needs to do is to develop their relationship with God. Since this is going to be the day of God's triumph, God will begin to over uh, oversee the experiences of each one so that they might be uh, protected and hidden during that time as he sees fit. So do you think this battle of Armageddon is like a real battle, as in like war with weapons and uh, nuclear devices and all of those kinds of things? You know, any of those things could be a part of it. But you can see from the scriptures that we just looked at very briefly, and we encourage everyone to read them thoroughly, you can see, number one, this is a worldwide event. All nations are involved in this. But also, all the nations are going to be delivered eventually from it. Wait, wait, what do you mean delivered? Not destroyed? The D word. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Let me say this, one other thing, that... Armageddon is going to be a time when God is going to be for the people of this world. The people of war, the people. The people. Well, now, 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 hang on, because see, most of the time when you look at the, the concept of Armageddon, you have the picture that the people of this world are getting sucked into this black hole and never to be seen or heard from again, because it's this massive destruction. It's the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God. It is. But who is the wrath of God directed against? It's against those institutions, those organizations that oppress, that do not provide justice for the people, that do not take care of the people, that, that steal from the people. It's been a theme through all of human history. And now the retribution, that is the balancing of the scales of justice, is going to take place. Okay, so um, you're saying then that it is, while it's a worldwide conflagration, uh, you're, you're not talking about the, the end of the world. No, no, not at all. For example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4, we read, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. All right, so you're, you're giving us a scripture that says the earth is going to live through this. Yeah, the earth is not going to be destroyed. Okay. It's going to be cleansed and restored, but not destroyed. Okay, cleansed and restored is different than destroyed. Jonathan, let, let's take a, a quick minute here. Let's go to the phones. All right, we have Jeff from Illinois. Good morning, Jeff, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'd like to just say a couple of things about more of the famous battles of Arbenkin. Uh There's a very fairly recent one that's in modern times that was fought. It was very uh, influential in the First World War. Uh, General Allenby of England fought a battle there, and uh, that's how Palestine was liberated and the British took control over it. It was a very strategic place. Uh, and that, of course, led to Israel's return as a nation as well. Well, I have a book here, an archaeology book, by a man named Eric Klein called The Battles of Armageddon. And he, he uh, is quoting from a biography of Allenby. And and this paragraph says, Certainly no commander ever gave more careful study to the history and topography of the theater in which he was operating than did General Allenby. Two books he consulted almost daily, The Bible and George Adam Smith's Historical Geography of the Holy Land. 
Allenby used the Bible as that. And then about, uh, you're, uh, you're talking also about survivors of Armageddon? Yeah. Zechariah 14, that mentions that same battle. It has a miraculous deliverance of Israel, but it says in verse 16 of chapter 14, and all the nations that survived the battle against Israel, what will happen to them? It says that they'll go year to year up to worship the king in Jerusalem. So thank you very much. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Th- thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. And so, so uh, David, Jeff, Jeff puts a, puts a, another historical piece in place that uh, there was very recently a battle of Armageddon, if you will, uh, that led to the, the liberation of Palestine and led to a homeland for, for Israel. So another sort of total victory. Isn't it interesting that people in almost any discipline that go to the Bible for some help find it? <laughs> <laughs> now, now again, I want to get back to and, and and listen, folks. Obviously, the subject is 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 a lot bigger than the rest of this hour dictates. So we want to really encourage you. If we are not on for another hour in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.net, hit the Listen Live button, and stay with us for the second hour because we're going to get down to a lot more of the practical parts of what Armageddon is, how it works, and what we ought to be doing um, to to be prepared for such a time. So please do that, ChristianQuestions.net. Get the Listen Live button, and you can stay with us for the next hour with our special guest, David Stein. So, so David, again, from a practical standpoint, should the average person be stocking up food, gathering up their guns and their ammunition to protect themselves? Two of the symbols that are used in a description of of Armageddon are earthquake and fire. Okay. we, We saw some of those. Earthquake is a picture of revolution. Earth kind of the stable society, but when you start to shake it, you're shaking it up. Okay, now, you're saying earthquakes are a symbol. Yes. All right. Now, again, when we look at movies about Armageddon, it's literal physical earthquakes. Yeah. No, this is a social earthquake. And so, again, the, the power of the symbol. And fire is a symbol of anarchy. You know, when people don't have any controlling uh, government upon it, anarchy means no government, basically, then things are destroyed. I mean, just think of some of the riots we've had in this country going all the way back to the Newark riots in the early, in the uh, late 60s, where things just burned, things got destroyed. So Armageddon is going to include a social revolution. Now, should people worry about that? Yeah, but what you do is that you remain close to God, don't go near mobs and things like that, because there is going to be this social revolution. But it's part, part of the tearing down of all the structures have been in place for so long that have not been a blessing to man in general. So it's a result of the wrath of God, and it is a tearing down, but it's not for the purpose of tearing down and destroying and this leaving desolation. No. It's for the purpose of tearing down, destroying, and bringing something something back. Yeah. Uh, here's an example. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, God is saying that I will rise upon the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour out mine indignation, even my fierce anger. Right, and that's Armageddon. That's Armageddon. And it says, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Right, that's Armageddon. Yeah, that's so what everybody's talking about. This is the social revolution. Yeah, but, but, but see, I mean, it says it devours everything with the fire of his jealousy. Yeah, but look what comes next. Okay. After this indignation has been poured out and the fire is burned, it says... For then I will turn to the people of pure language. The people survive. And they're going to have the, the, the rising of God's light upon them. This long, pure language, it says that they may call upon the name of the Lord. It's all caps, so it's Jehovah to serve with one consent. So the purpose of this is to bring in a reign of righteousness where the people can be blessed and serve God. So, so folks, as we are beginning to wind this program down for this particular hour, one of the things we have to understand about Armageddon is that 
yes, it is a worldwide conflagration. It's more than just a battle of armies against one another. What, what David is suggesting, our special guest David Stein is suggesting, is that Armageddon is more for the purpose, it is God's wrath, it is symbolized in earthquake and fire, which are two uh, very destructive forces, but it's for the purpose of purifying and not just destroying and desolating. Exactly. Okay, so there's something after Armageddon. Armageddon may be the end of the world as we know it, but it's not the end of the world. That's right. Remember, God loves the human race. He wants to purify it and cleanse it. And to do so, he's got to get rid of all of those things that are keeping them back from those blessings. Okay. Um, we're going to, and Jonathan, in the second hour, we're going to touch on some of these, these prophecies here that, that really focus on Armageddon. But let's go through a couple of them now. Because, you know, this, this would probably be somewhat shocking to, to the average person listening and say, wait, 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 this isn't at all what, what I, I thought. But if we take a look at scriptural prophecy, it, ten, it, it absolutely supports what you're saying. Jonathan, let's touch on, on Ezekiel 36, 36. Then the heathen that are left round about, ye shall know that I am the Lord. Build the ruined places and plant that was, which was desolate. And the Lord has spoken it, and I will do it. Okay, so what is that telling us, David? Number one, that even the heathen, and this is very important, because this is not those that, that know Christ or worship uh, God, they're heathen. But it's that they will be able to see God rebuilding the ruined places. They've got to be around to see that. Well, it says, the heathen that are, le- that are left round about. So there are people left, and it's not this utter complete desolation. So, so you don't get a sense then that, that after Armageddon, nuclear winter sets in. No, no. The, uh, God's plans for the earth is to make it a place of blessing. But there'll be cleanup that will be required. Okay, folks, listen. Uh, if you have a thought, we'll take your calls in the second hour. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. Uh, that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time. Also, if you do want to communicate with us, uh, you can do so through the feedback at uh, button at ChristianQuestions.net, or you can email us at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. That's a personal email, and you'll get a, a personal response. David, we have about two minutes left here. Let's touch on, well, well in, for, for the last two minutes, a couple of other pieces to sort of wrap up this particular picture of Armageddon with a reminder that we're going to be coming back to it in the next hour. What would you say is... Two minutes worth of the most important things in terms of the results of Armageddon. When you remember that God's purpose in having Christ come to earth was to die as a ransom for all, God has in mind to have a blessing for all. Now, will there be people that will die at Armageddon? Absolutely. There will be armies that will be destroyed. Lots of people. There will be lots of people. I think there's one scripture that says the slain of of the Lord would be from one end of the earth to the other. So there's a lot of casualties here. But we aren't to think... Okay, now, now, uh, all right, finish your thought. We aren't to think that these casualties are gone forever. Because the Bible guarantees a hope for all to come back from the grave to reap the benefits of the permission of sin, to learn how to serve God in righteousness. I mean, for example, in Isaiah 66, he says, The Lord will plead with all flesh. I will gather all nations, and they shall come and see my glory. So that's the point, to reveal God to all mankind. Okay, so, and, and one of the things that you said about the slain of, of, the, of the, the, 
the Lord will be from one end of the earth to the other. So there's really two ways you could take that. You could say that everybody's dead from one end of the earth to the other, or the casualties will be worldwide. See, there's a big difference. So if you look at Armageddon as a piece of the process and not the end of the process, what happens is these other scriptures begin to make more sense because they're talking about something afterwards. Whereas if you look at Armageddon as end of the process, then you're left saying, well, what, what do the scriptures really mean? Yeah, it's the necessary step. I mean, if, if you've got a house that, that, that is just so cluttered and so bad conditioned, it's not restorable, you tear the house down, then you begin to rebuild. So, your final thought for this hour, and again, folks, we'll come back in the second hour. If we're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.net and click the Listen Live button and stay with us. Final thought, thought for this hour on Armageddon, what people ought to be doing. As the time of trouble comes, stay close to the Lord. Do not oppose the will of the Lord. And you're going to receive a blessing. You're going to receive a blessing. It might not come that easily. And it might come through very difficult times. But you know what? Oftentimes that's when the greatest blessings do come. Is when the circumstances are difficult. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us for this hour. Again, we encourage you to stay with us by going online to ChristianQuestions.net for the second hour. Because there's so much more to talk about with Armageddon and the prophecies and Revelation and all that's coming up. For Jonathan and Rick and our special guest David Stein, we'll be back again after the news and all that. But until then, Armageddon, when and where? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Pete Jones once said, What makes resisting temptation difficult for many people is they don't want to discourage it completely. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic for this morning? Well, Rick, our question is Armageddon, when and where? And our theme text is found in Revelation chapter 16, verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So we're talking about Armageddon, one of the favorite subjects in the world today. We have with us this morning a very special guest. David Stein is with us. Good morning again, David. Good morning. We're glad you're here for the second hour. Me too. Didn't leave us hanging. And um, we have talked about Armageddon. And David, let's just do a very quick recap of, of, of the things we discussed in the first hour. We, we talked about the physical location of Armageddon, some of the history of Armageddon, and what you think the Battle of Armageddon really is. Just sort of sum that up for us in about a minute. Well, we see that Armageddon is going to be a worldwide event. It's going to affect the whole world. Even though Armageddon as a term is mentioned only once in Revelation 16, and we're going to look at that in detail in this hour, uh, nevertheless, there's many other phrases in the Scripture that describe what God is doing during that time. The purpose of Armageddon is to bring down all of those things that have oppressed mankind for so long, preparing them for God's kingdom. So it is just one step in the process. It's not a black hole. It's not the end of the earth. It is the end of an age, but the age of sin and death. 
and it's going to mark the beginning of the age of the Messianic blessings with Christ as King. So what you're saying then is from your scriptural perspective, Armageddon, uh, while it is an end, it also signals a really, really terrific beginning. Absolutely. All right. Hey, hey Rick. Yes, sir. Where are you? I know you're not in the (laughs) studio. I'm hiding. (laughs) Actually, David and I are in Roselle, Illinois. We are out here uh, at a Bible conference uh, working together here. Uh, So, yeah, I'm sitting at a dining room table in Roselle, Illinois, at Tom and Cheryl's house, and uh, having a really good time, actually. Nice. And also, just with us, now that you mentioned that, we also have another special guest with us. We want to talk to her just for a moment here. We have Julie, our chief rewinder, sitting with us at the table here. Again, good morning, Julie. Good morning. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Julie. And, uh, Jonathan, I just want to take a minute with Julie because, you know, we always talk about CQ Rewind uh, as being a free service we offer at ChristianQuestions.net. And Julie is the one who who heads up the putting together of the notes and making it actually available. So, Julie, what what, what goes into that? And, and, and just tell us a, quickly a little bit about how, how it works and, and what you see as the value of CQ Rewind. Well, one of the things the listeners may not know is that you start with an overall outline of the scriptures that you want to talk about and the basic subject matter. So once you upload the audio portion on a Sunday, the Rewind team takes over and takes the outline and begins to delete that which you didn't speak of (laughs) and adds all of the impromptu lesson that came through. We also will add listeners' comments and when listeners add their scriptures to it, and we begin to compile a complete Bible study that is visual. We add in graphics and any type of illustrations that might help really bring the point home and, and help the listeners to really see the program as well. And uh, and um, you are part of our volunteer army. Absolutely. And it takes about a full, just about a full week to put together a final rewind. And so for me personally, that really helps because I'm able to marinate with that subject all week long and, and think about it and think about how it really uh, really helps my life in that particular time period. So it, it, it. Um, I think it. I think if the listeners could to take advantage of it. it. It's really nice to have when you listen to an archive program and you can follow along and and really see the thought process. All right, and you like doing it. Love doing it. <laughs> Love doing it. It's it's really a way to to spend that many hours more with the Lord every week. All right, Jonathan, remind me to uh, double her salary, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Julie, thanks so much. We appreciate your working with us on a regular weekly basis and uh, your contributions. And, folks, we want to encourage you to check out CQ Rewind. Uh, It is available free of charge at ChristianQuestions.net. Sign up for the full edition. I really think you won't be sorry for doing it. And, and folks, if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. All right, Jonathan, um, as we get back into the subject of Armageddon, I believe we have uh, a call waiting. Yes, we do. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Even the ladies this morning, too. Good morning. Uh, I acknowledge the uh, scholarly uh, uh, expertise of uh, David Stein. I've heard him before. I appreciate his dedication to God's Word, uh, prophecies, etc. What a great contribution. Uh, I'd also like to honor, uh, acknowledge the sacrifices of the military in this country and their families for serving to protect our freedom uh, on this day. 
Uh, Armageddon. Okay. Uh, I think it could be also labeled, uh, expressed as uh, uh, a battle of uh, involving God's army. Joel two eleven talks about Jehovah's army. I think it's it's he's uh, he's doing. And uh, number two, uh, I think it is a climactic. I think you already uh, mentioned that it's uh, it's a climactic, decisive. Uh, in fact, it's a series of battles. It involves a series of battles leading to a climax, and I believe that uh, it uh, it's going to involve Israel. It's in Zechariah 14, you already mentioned that, and uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. So it's, uh, it's something to be feared, as you said, but it's also something to look forward to as finally uh, deciding the, the fate of this trouble and uh, confused world. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. All right, and, and, and David, Julius actually mentioned several things. He mentioned God's army. And so, uh, you know, at some point I want to take a look at what does God's army look like. Uh, and he said he's a, a series of battles. Now, again... You're talking, when we talk about Armageddon, a, you're talking about a worldwide problem. So we're not just talking something in, in the location of Megiddo, the valley of Megiddo in, in, in Israel, but we're talking about a worldwide conflagration. Yes, remember Jesus was talking about the time of trouble, such as man has never seen. And he said that unless God stepped in and intervened, no flesh would be saved. That proves it's a worldwide phenomenon. Okay, right. So, um, um, so unless there's an intervention, no flesh would be saved. So, saying that there is that intervention, therefore flesh would be saved. And and I want to go to that, Let, Jonathan. Let's go to the um, uh, on where we left off in the last hour. Let's go to uh, the Romans eight twenty uh, and twenty one scripture about all creation being delivered. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay, so in that scripture, David, it's talking about the creature. What creature? Is this the creature from the Black Lagoon? What creature? (laughs) Yeah, the King James is a little obscure here. Uh, Most other translations would use the term creation. It's really talking about the whole family of mankind. The whole creation was subject to vanity because of sin and death. But it says that creation itself shall be delivered from this bondage to corruption. Remember we saw that in Gideon? Right. The, the bondage to the Midianites, and he released them from that bondage. That is one of the purposes of Armageddon, to release mankind, all creation, from the bondage to sin and death and the service uh, to to Satan and to demons, to get rid of all of those evil influences so that they can have glorious liberty in God's plan. Okay, and and it says, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So there's there's a differentiation between the rest of creation and the children of God. Yes, and and what it's saying is they all are going to share the same kind of liberty, but the children of God got there first, essentially. Yes. Okay. And again, one of the points here is as we look at Armageddon, Armageddon, I mean, you're saying Armageddon is coming. It's coming. Do you know when? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, next week at about 7. <laughs> <laughs> On which day, Saturday or Sunday? <laughs> no, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're not prophets. We're prophetic students. We read the uh, prophecies of Scripture, and we try to harmonize them and put them together into as cogent a plan as we can. But it doesn't give us specific dates. 
But I want to say this, though. You don't have to be a Bible student to realize the problems of this world. We already saw in one of the cuts all these things were coming. And this is by God's providence as well. God foresaw that mankind would get himself into trouble and all of the political and financial and social and military trouble that we see growing, the concerns about uh, the, the pollution of the world, uh, you know, whether the, uh, this or that is going to happen, only these things are a knock on the door to mankind saying, you know, you need something besides yourselves to enjoy life. You need God. And so the wrath of God is going to come. Yeah. And uh, what are you saying, five years, ten years, fifteen, twenty? <laughs> Again, you're trying to put a date on it, aren't you? Well, I'm just trying to pigeonhole you a little bit. Well, uh, let me say this. Um, the financial crisis that the world is in today, and I don't know if we have any more bites on it, uh, sound bites on it or not, but the financial gurus of this world are worried. They see a total collapse of the economic system in the very near future. Anyway, are we talking within five years? They're talking within five years. So, again, you don't have to be a Bible student to say that this is going to be a short-term event in terms of how far out it is in the future. It's not that far. Would I say a decade, two decades? I don't know, but it certainly seems to be in the direction when we look at the the the, uh, the falling of worlds. Okay, so you're saying years away, not millenniums away. I am saying. Okay, that. I'll I'll we'll leave you at that. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, again, what we're looking at, folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. That means we're on right now. And our website, and- ChristianQuestions.net. And, and actually, Jonathan, why don't, we, um, why don't we go to the phone? Let's see if we can get this call in quickly before the end of the segment. All right, we have Keith from Tennessee. Good morning, Keith, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, thanks to Jesus, death is dying, and death dies, time of being a more. And I'm not going to get into Revelation 9, 18, 10, 10, and 18, 4, and Bible codes, but that, that you were citing uh, a program on the History Channel with respect to Nostradamus, and usually when they run that program, they run shows on Sir Isaac Newton and the, the Bible Code. The, I mean, there's nine different types of codes, but they, that's the ELS Code, which is a really good program. i, I got to commend the History Channel for that. But <clears throat> anyway, my question is, um, the, not only Nostradamus, but there, I think the Bible Code, and there's a bunch of uh, Gentile, pro, you know, modern-day prophets who claim they've heard from God, who, who indicate there's going to be two... There's going to be a major war before the War of Armageddon, or before Armageddon, which may have something to do with Revelation 9:18. But the thing is, um, I, um, I, won't, I won't cite the, these prophets, but uh, America apparently is very much involved in this, this, uh, you know, World War III, I guess you want to call it, uh, before Armageddon, about five, ten years before Armageddon. But we're not involved in the War of Armageddon because we're still recuperating from World War III. And uh, thus Israel can't tell the United States they have to call on God at that point. And, and um, uh, you know, when when the enemies close in on they they do, some of them anyway, and that's when Jesus comes back. But I'm wondering how you feel about that, whether or not, you know, there's only one major war remaining, the War of Armageddon, or, um, you know, whether there's two... And uh, how do you feel about the Bible codes? And, and I don't know if you've seen those history channel programs. But. Okay, um, Keith, thanks so much for the call and the question. What we're going to do is we're going to need to go into a break in a moment, and then we'll consider your questions right after the break. 
But uh, we appreciate your calling in, and um, obviously you've looked into this quite a bit, and uh, David is making notes furiously to comment on some of the things you said. So thanks so much. We appreciate it. Right. The thing is, I can't hear you now because my, I'm, I'm in Tennessee. I'm, the program runs from 7 to 8. Okay. Um, All right. So, Keith, here's what I want you to do. Okay. okay. Um, Jonathan, let's make sure we put him on hold and don't hang up on him. Okay. Okay, and that way he'll be able to listen in as we answer that question. And once the question is answered, we're going to have to let him go to make room for other callers. But that's what we'll do. We'll put him on hold. So, Keith, stay with us, okay? Okay, God bless you. Have a great holiday. Thank you, Keith. All right, thanks. All right, so, folks, we are talking about Armageddon and how it works, and we're getting down to some of the practicality of what else happens before and also what else happens after Armageddon. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, and our subject, Armageddon, when and where. If Armageddon is the seventh plague, or at least a major part of it, what are its destructive effects? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, and our subject, Armageddon, When and Where. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, in the last segment, we had a caller from Tennessee, Keith, call in. And he made some really interesting comments, and he asked a very specific question. And we want to try and deal with some of that right now. First of all, David, he mentioned something about Bible codes. Yeah, Bible codes. There was a book written uh, several years ago by Michael Drozen. It was entitled The Bible Codes. And in it, he discusses something called ELS. Keith made mention of that. Right. ELS stands for Equidistant Letter Sequencing. Right. And what, it, what, what it's all about is to be able to take a number, let's say 64, and then go through the scriptures and look at every 64th number and then see if it forms a message. And Michael Drozen evidently feels that he can get quite a few messages out of it. I read the book. It was a very interesting book, but I didn't find it compelling. He did come up with a second book as well where he makes mention that some of this is variable. And as soon as you hear the word variable, it's not like the Bible that's invariable. Okay. Uh, so I have to confess a bit of skepticism regarding how reliable the equidistant letter sequencing Bible codes are. Okay. There's interesting stuff there, but I, I wouldn't put a lot of faith in it. Okay. Now, he mentioned something else uh, about another war before this great battle of Armageddon. Yeah, Keith is a good student of the Bible, and uh, we haven't talked too much about Israel yet. In the final segment, we hope to talk a little bit about it, but... Uh, he's absolutely right, at least in my opinion. I see that there will be at least one more war in Israel with her near neighbors that will precede what we're talking about, the War of Armageddon. So I agree with that. Yeah, and we've actually talked about that we in the past in on the program. Yeah. Um, it was, what, about, it, it was in the winter, was it this past year before? Nice, 2011 in February, I think. I think so. And so, folks, if you go to ChristianQuestions.net, go to the archives for 2011, beginning of the year. There's a program on the Middle East meltdown. That's what it was called. And that really puts that part of the picture in perspective. So you can go to the archives at ChristianQuestions.net and get that. So he also mentioned Israel not being able to rely on America at some point. 
Yeah, and again, he's very perceptive in that, and I agree with that. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, now we haven't gone there too much this, uh, this program yet, but that is the Israeli part of Armageddon. Now, Armageddon, we said, is a worldwide conflagration, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in Israel, including military action and military battles. But we want to make it very clear that we don't see Armageddon as simply that. It's much more. Okay. But one of the things in, in Revelation, uh, or in Ezekiel 38, in verse 13, it talks about several nations that are watching what's going on from afar, but they're not participants. And they say that to Gog, you know, you shouldn't be doing going that in Israel and doing this and that and taking a spoil, but they're not in a position to do anything. So I agree with Keith. I think I see our country, the United States, as part of those observer nations, unable because of the situation in our own country at that time. Remember, we're going to experience that earthquake and fire as well, being unable to assist Israel. All right. So, Keith, thank you so much for the call and the comments, and hopefully that we, we've addressed those for you. And, folks, if you have a call, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we are on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. All right, um, Jonathan, here's what we'll do. Let, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 16 in a little bit more detail. So um, we're, we're now on page 8, just so you're with me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's take a look and, and read through some of Revelation chapter 16. And David, then we're going to talk about the symbols, because this is the context of that one scripture in the Bible that mentions the word Armageddon. Exactly. So if you're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon, you really need to understand what's around it in the scriptures so it all comes in, into play. So Jonathan, why don't you start with uh, Revelation 16. Uh, why don't you do 12 through 15? And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame." Okay, so now just let me sum up a few things here before we continue the reading. I mean, Dave, you've got a lot of things going on here. We've got unclean spirits like frogs. We've got the mouth of a dragon, the mouth of a beast, the mouth of a false prophet, spirits of devils, kings of the earth, of the whole world, and the great battle of the great day. Revelation is a book of symbols, and this is a good example of that. For those folks that try to interpret Revelation literally, you know, you start to get into a lot of problems here because some of these are so imaginary. I mean, they're just visual things that don't have any analog in reality. But when we see them as symbols, now, we're not going to talk about the six angels and the plagues and whatnot, but for those that have studied it, please note that this gathering together, we're going to see just in the next few verses, occurs after the sixth angel pours out his vial or his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Okay, so let's read the next few verses. Jonathan, let's do, um, just go all the way down to verse 21. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. 
Okay, so I see what you're saying about the order. He gathers them together, and then this other vial, whatever that is, is poured out. Okay, continue. And there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since man were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake, and so great, and great... The great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. The man blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. So... Adding to the frogs and the, and the dragon and the beast and the false prophet and the spirit of devils and the kings of the earth, we have voices and thunders and lightnings and a great earthquake and a great city and the fierceness of God's wrath and the islands falling away and the mountains being unable to be found and great hail falling upon men. It's a mess. <laughs> there certainly is a lot going on here, isn't there? Okay, so now we look at all of that and there's this section of Revelation chapter 16. What do we do to try to get an understanding? Again, this is about trying to understand what Armageddon really is. Is it really a battle? And let's just do that quick little review first. Is it really a battle? Uh, it is a battle, but it is a worldwide battle, and it's a social revolution and a social battle. Are there military elements in it? Yes, but that's not characteristic of the whole thing. Okay, so it's got military elements, but it's not a military battle per se. That's right. It's a social okay. revolution of the people and anarchy of the people, and the powers that be are trying to stay alive through all of this. And so for people to prepare for Armageddon, are, are there things that they ought to be thinking about and ought to be doing? And then we'll get into the symbols. You know, this is a, a, one of those places where I can give you a scripture, and we just read it. What to do? In verse 15 of Revelation 16, Behold, I come as a, as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. Watcheth what? You want to watch the outworking of these things in the world. And keepeth his garments. What garments? Well... The only garment that a Christian knows about is his garment of justification, the covering of Christ. Again, we've emphasized the importance of that relationship with God to, uh, to give you the best blessing out of all of this. There's going to be deprivation on, on the part of everybody that says, lest he walk legged and, and see their shame. So I think this is put in, again, to emphasize that those that keep a close relationship with God are going to fare the best through all of this. All right, and I think that's a good hint in terms of what do you do. And, and it is a more of a spiritual preparation even than a physical one. I believe that. Okay. Uh, it's certainly not a bad idea to be physically prepared for catastrophes. Yeah. But you can't go to Montana into an enclave of survivalists and expect to escape it. Okay. All right. And actually, that's, I'm glad, glad you said that. Now, let's get down to some of the symbolism, okay? In this Revelation chapter 16, we got the gathering to Armageddon. You said, or the scripture said, it occurs after the sixth angel pours out this bowl or this vial and before the seventh angel pours out his vial. All right. Yeah. Well, Help me here. Let me go back to verse 12, the first verse. It says, It poured his vial out on the great river Euphrates, and the waters dried up. Historically, we think back to when Babylon, original Babylon, ancient Babylon, fell. And you may remember that there was a great feast by Belshazzar one night, and while he's feasting, I believe this is in Daniel chapter 5, if I remember, while he's feasting, the armies of Cyrus and Darius are gathering outside these massive walls of Jerusalem, no one has been able Jews, to... Jews. Uh, uh, Babylon, Babylon me, okay. that lapses linguist. <laughs> and, and so they're there. No one has been able to breach these walls. And what does Cyrus do? He stops up the water of, Babel, of Euphrates, and it dries up. And he comes in through the portals where the river went through. Now, we think that 
that in ancient Babylon, Euphrates was representation of the financial strength of that of that uh, ancient city. Okay, so so wait, Babylon. You're saying that Euphrates is a representation of the financial strength of that world empire. That, that, that world empire at the time. Okay. So bringing it forward now, we're talking about Armageddon, when all things are going to start to fall, including the financial pinnacles of this world. So when the water stopped up, the money stops flowing. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, we've already talked about the financial as a part of it. Well, I think that's exactly what the representation is here, particularly the financial backing for some of the uh, religious organizations that are not that are false religious organizations or false Christ organizations that are not really in harmony with God. Okay, so that's interesting. And, and again, folks, this is why you want to get Seeker Rewind, the full edition, because all of the stuff that we're talking about, you say, what did they just say? Uh, you can get it in writing, and you can take a look at it, and you can look at the scriptures and prove it for yourself. It's available exclusively at Christian Questions. And if you have a thought, let us know. It's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So, David, let's go through some of the symbols in that Revelation 16, and we don't have a lot of time on this. The dragon. You say there was this dragon that the frogs came out of. Okay, well, that, that says verse 13. Let's take the uh, the uh, situation here again. We've got financial collapse going on in the world. That's going to produce social upheaval. And, you know, the scary thing is anybody who looks around can see that and say, oh, my goodness, this isn't looking pretty. We're, we're there. I mean, we're, we're at that point where this is leading up to Okay, that. go ahead. So with social upheaval, what are the, the governments and the churches of the world going to do? They're going to try to band together to try to create some type of continuity here because the people are, are starting to get this revolution-minded. Kind, kind of like bailouts? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it includes that and, and much else. So these three... Um, uh, symbols here, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, we think are three entities in this world that come together kind of a, uh, in an ecumenical movement in order to preserve their uh, their existence. The dragon always has been a symbol of civil government. You know, going back, I mean, even Rome was was characterized in, in that way. The beast, we think, it, it is, a, is a, uh, another false system of religion. You know, back in the times of the Protestants, you know, they interpreted many of these uh, these beasts and whatnot in accord with the experiences they were having at that time. And you remember, in the 1500s and 1600s, there was great persecution from the papal powers against the Protestant powers. Yeah, and that's a that's a simple matter of history. That, yeah, that's right. And they interpreted it as the as the beast, and there's some other as well. And it was right in accord with their. Uh, with their experiences. So now we have this, this papal authority that now is joining with the, the civil authority to try to create some continuity. And then the last one, the, the false prophet, we see again some, some likely uh, Protestant organizations as well that are going to try to align themselves with the government. And you said earlier in the first hour that government and religion generally should be kept apart. Well, we're talking about a church-state union here under these three symbols. And all of them have the same message, this message of frogs coming out there. It's a message of, well, follow us, we'll take care of it, we'll take care of you. You just have to give up some of your rights and liberties. That's now going to start shaking the world. So what you're saying is if, if we, as just average people, look around and we see this sort of this church-state um, melding together, that ought to be a real key warning sign 
that something very serious is, is happening in terms of Armageddon itself. Yeah, and that's why you asked me earlier about when this is going to happen. We see from verse 12 it comes out of a financial collapse, a worldwide financial collapse. So this is something that folks can watch for in the uh, very near future. Okay, okay. And, uh, Jonathan, I think we're going to need to uh, wrap up this segment. Um, th- what we're looking at, folks, is the scriptures and revelations surrounding the one scripture in the Bible that talks about Armageddon and the Battle of Armageddon, and how that is all going to come out and actually going to work. So, so, uh, go ahead, Jonathan. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, our subject, Armageddon, When and Where. Well, we'll be talking about the great earthquake, the city, the islands, the mountains, the great hail, the weight of a talent. What does this all mean? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, David Stein, and our subject this morning, Armageddon, when and where. To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, uh, David, Stein, and I are calling in from Roselle, Illinois. We're here at a Bible conference. We're sitting at Tom and Cheryl's dining room table. Hi, Tom. (laughs) And uh, going through uh, one of the most fascinating subjects in, in, in Bible prophecy because it gets so much press and it gets so much drama in, 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 uh, in, the, in the movies and so forth, and that is the subject of Armageddon. And in our last segment, David, we were looking at uh, Revelation chapter 16, a whole bunch of symbols, and we started to go through and try to un- understand them. One of the things we just talked about in, in the last segment was the, this, this church-state union that's not just here, but you're saying it's kind of like, almost like a, a big worldwide kind of a thing. It is. It will be an earthwide phenomenon. Okay, there's other symbols that we want to touch on. We want to talk about Israel's part in this, and we really want to focus on what happens at the end. You know, what happens after Armageddon? Is it just desolation and death, or is there something better? And the hint is, it's answer number two. But we'll we'll get to that in a moment. And folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. Let's go, David. The Great Earthquake, what does it mean in Revelation 16? It is a revolution such as never been seen in the world. So it's not a physical earthquake. It's a social revolution, a social earthquake. Okay, a social earthquake. The city of Babylon. This is Babylon, the great Christendom. Okay. It's, it's, you, it's got three parts to it? Well, we saw the three parts earlier when the spirits from frogs came out of the dragon, the false prophet, and the beast. So that was a coming together to give the same message. That, that church-state union. Time. That's right. That gathers now all to this situation, and it's not long last. Breaking the three parts means that that's, that union coming together doesn't last, and they go back into separate units again. Okay. It, it, scripture in Revelation 16 talks about the island kind of goes away. The mountains can't be found anymore. What, what's that about? Mountain is a very uh, familiar uh, symbol used in many parts of the Bible to represent kingdoms, and islands would be smaller kingdoms, smaller rulerships. This is the reduction of all the kingdoms of man 
in submission to the kingdom of God. See now, and, and folks, I want, I want to pause here for a minute because you know we're talking about this revelation scripture with Armageddon, and it's a, when you read it, if you read it literally, it sounds first of all, it sounds somewhat impossible, even because you got dragons and frogs and, and thunders and earthquakes, and but it sounds so incredibly overtly destructive. And what you're saying is there's a destruction, but it's a different kind. It's a destruction of a social order of things. Yeah, and, and again, to reemphasize that that's the, the primary meaning, but it doesn't mean that there isn't going to be physical or literal destruction. That's just not the focus. The focus here is to take away those things that have been oppressing man. Okay, so there is destruction, but the focus of the destruction is to take away, like you just said, those things that are oppressing man, and that is man's sinful, greedy, egotistical of himself. Yeah, and I'll give an example here. It follows, it talks about a great hail coming upon men. The right, way. I was going to ask you about the great hail anyway, so go ahead. Well, water is a symbol of truth, so right. hail is a symbol of hard truth. And the fact that it gives us the weight, we can relate that back. We don't have time to go to First Kings twenty thirty nine, but we can use that to interpret that weight to mean that this is truths about the value of human life. You see that governments all through the ages have not valued human life. God has. God sent his son to die for all. And so one of the primary teachings of the kingdom will be to emphasize to everybody how valuable their life is. And that's one of the reasons why the governments have to go away, because they don't appreciate that. Okay, now one of the things that wasn't mentioned in this, but we had touched on it earlier, and I just want to ask you about it quickly before we go to Israel. <laughs> what about, you know, the Lord's great army? What does the Lord's great army look like? Is that Christians, you know, marching shoulder to shoulder to conquer the world? What is the Lord's great army? You know, it's mentioned in Scripture, and in this case it's not necessarily that. But rather, it is that sea of mankind that is fed up with all the things that have been going on in our governments, our corrupt governments, our corrupt financial institutions, our corrupt political entities. And that's part of this social revolution, that the people are going to rise up, and these things are going to fall. And, and it's under the guidance of God. Now, that doesn't mean that God necessarily approves everything that this army does. We already said it's going to be very destructive, and not necessarily that discriminating. But nevertheless, the end result is the removal of those things that put man under bondage. So the Lord's great army, then, if I were to try to interpret what you just said, is the masses of people rising up out of their own frustration, and God simply uses their frustration and their rising up and their revolution to accomplish his end. Yeah, yeah, and you can see that the, those two symbols... So he's not like a general like leading him saying, go do, do this and go do that. He's just letting them do what they do and using them for his prophetic purposes. Yeah, yeah, we talk about the permission of God. This is an example of God permitting this to happen because it accomplishes what he wants. Okay, where does Israel fit into all of this? We're talking about Armageddon, we're talking about worldwide conflagration. I don't know when, when we started using that word. I love that word. Conflagration, <laughs> it's a conflagration! <laughs> uh, so how does Israel fit into this whole picture? Well, part of God's judgment, of course, is on the, the uh, Christendom, which does not represent Christ. And so that's religious authorities that are going to fall. But God's original promises go all the way back to the promises of Abraham. And Israel is the fleshly seed of Abraham. Therefore, they are the legitimate inheritors of many promises. So as Armageddon starts to d develop, Israel is going to continue to have God's blessing. And that's going to earn the uh, the uh, attention of the world of mankind. They're going to say, well, you know, why are you have all these things? Why are you not affected by failure, financial failure, political failure? 
and it is going to bring uh, nations into Israel. There's going to bring some armies. Again, we said earlier that Armageddon wasn't just all nations coming to uh, Megiddo, but there will be this gathering of nations in Israel, maybe Megiddo, certainly around Jerusalem. And then Israel now will be attacked. They will have a very difficult experience. And then several scriptures say that God will fight for them. Okay, and we haven't looked at the scriptures, but uh, in Ezekiel 38, uh, we've got the attack of Gog, which you touched on earlier. We won't have time to go into it right now. And we have the time of trouble, or time, time of Jacob's trouble, in Jeremiah 30, verses 3 to 7. So you're saying that these scriptures in Ezekiel 38 and Jeremiah 30 um, are, are showing that Israel obviously plays a part, but they're coming from a whole different place than the rest of the world is. Yes. The, re- the rest of the world is, is, is working through this social earthquake, as you talked about, but Israel is, is somewhat removed from that. And now they seem to be stable, so everybody else says, well, we want what you've got. Yeah, and it's part of the reason why we say that Armageddon has so many elements to it and, and so many pictures in the Bible. It is a complex development of worldwide proportions, and it has a lot of these things that individual scriptures talk about. But I do like that the, in uh, Jeremiah 30 where it talks about the time of Jacob's trouble. It says, but he shall be saved out of it. God will eventually fight for them and will eventually establish the core of God's kingdom with Jesus as king in Israel per the promises of old. Yeah, and, and that really does go back to Keith's uh, uh, comment when he called in, Keith from Tennessee, earlier. Okay, David, we have maybe five minutes left. Armageddon, this big, massive, worldwide trouble that, that, that leaves pretty much no stone unturned, coming together of the churches and the, and the state system, the falling apart of that, the, the social upheaval, the destruction, uh, upheaval symbolized by earthquake, destruction symbolized by fire. What's the end result? What happens after Armageddon is over? There are beautiful things that happen. I love the scripture. Beautiful things that happen. Oh, beautiful things. Where? Out of this. <laughs> Where are the beautiful things? Well, for the whole world. Let, let, let's wait, wait, wait. The whole world on Earth. On Earth. Okay, so Armageddon isn't the end of the Earth. It's simply the end of the world as we know it. But the Earth lives through it. The people live through it, and there's blessing. Oh, yeah. Again, we don't have these in our notes, but in Revelation 20, it talks about the old heavens and the old earth passing away. That is accomplished in Armageddon. Armageddon is the passing away of the old heavens and the old earth. The old religious order and the old political order, civil order. So they're not replaced with a new physical earth, because, again, it's Revelation and it's a symbol. It's going to be a new government. And it's going to be a new religion, a religion of truth and a government of righteousness. You wanted to touch on Isaiah chapter 60. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 60. We don't have time to read verses 1 through 5, but nested in verse 3, it says, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. This is a very positive thing. This is the dawn of something new, something wonderful. It's the kingdom of God that Christians have been praying for since Jesus taught it 2,000 years ago. Okay, now, just before we, we, we discuss that a little further, the verse before that, though, puts that coming to light in context, because it says, before, but for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. So are you looking at that darkness and that gross darkness as part of the Armageddon picture? Absolutely. It's a very, very dark time, and it'll be a questionable time for people. But as long as they stay close to God, as long as they watch, and we have given some suggestions of specific things to watch for, like this church-state union, 
when people start seeing the church and the state coming together out of the crisis, financial crisis of the whole world, then you'll know where you are in Revelation. Okay, and, and folks, I hope you're, 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 you're getting your arms around, around this, because what we're attempting to do here this morning is take a look at one of the most often talked about Bible prophecies and try to put it in a perspective, not just in, in, in relation to what it says in Revelation, but in relation to what it says in the rest of the prophecies that put all of these things together. This is all part of the time of the end. Yeah. Now, go ahead. It, it, and it's, it's, a, uh, it's the receipt of the answer from God to the prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. So what you're saying is then that the, the coming of Armageddon, as bleak as it looks, and as difficult as it looks, and as, as, as much hardship as it causes, its end result is that not of destruction, but of cleansing. Yeah. Think of a patient that has a cancer, for example, and he has to go in to have surgery to have it removed. He has it removed, and he's cured. The process of removal is a painful one, and recovery is difficult, but the end result is a healthy patient. And so that's what we're looking at at Armageddon as. It is the sort of the removal of, of cancer. And, the cancer of sin and death. And it's invasive. It's invasive surgery. It's, it's cutting, and it's, and it's, and it's painful, and it's removing all of the, the yuck <laughs> that has developed. And, and I like your technical terms. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm really good with technical terms. <laughs> Remove the yuck. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, so as, as, we, as we wrap this up, again, I want to ask you, what do people do? How does the average person prepare, get themselves ready for what may be coming within years? It is a spiritual preparation. We've been praying for God's kingdom for thousands of years. Now it's coming. It's going to be a rough trail getting there because of the removal, as you say, of the cancer, of all of the elements that have been against God and against the blessings that God intended for man. But Jesus died for everybody, and in the setting up of the kingdom will bring us to, as it says there, Gentiles coming to thy light. We will be able to see life and live life as God originally intended. That's what's on the other side of Armageddon. Blessings galore. Okay, so store food, store guns, store ammunition? I think in, in cases like this, live life as usual. You know, if you put a lot of stores in and your neighbors find out about it, your stores are going to be gone. Depend upon God for his guidance to you day by day. Okay, so uh, folks, we're, we're uh, going to have to begin to wrap this up. We're talking about, again, a, a subject that, that touches the hearts and minds of all of us, and that is Armageddon. And when you look around at the world today, and you look, all you need to do is, is go online and take a look at a few news events happening in the world, and we see the, 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 the difficulties, the major difficulties that, that, that the world is facing. And these are the preparations for Armageddon. David, a final thought. Final thought. We, we didn't touch on it, but there's a great deception coming. It's part of what those spirits that like frogs come in. Don't be deceived. Stay close to them. All right. So, folks, as we wrap up this morning, David, thanks so much for being with us this morning uh, and talking about such a subject with such a massive effect on the average person. Thank you for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Folks, put yourselves in a position of saying, okay, now I understand some things. And while it may come to be difficult, it may come to be uncomfortable, it may be costly in a lot of different ways, I don't have to panic because the end result of Armageddon is a new world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he just told us to pray that way for a reason. 
Jonathan and Rick and David. It's Christian Questions. We'll be back again next week. But until then, Armageddon, when and where? Now you know. Think about it.